message from Valley Bible Fellowship. It is our sincere prayer that you're richly blessed through the ministry of the Word. For more information about VBF, visit our website at vbf.org. Now, here's Pastor Ron Bietti. Good morning. How y'all doing? You know what? Second, the first service was a little, little noisier than you. You know, I'm so excited today. Let me put a verse up for you. I want to read, I want to read this verse to you. I'm so pumped. This is just kind of, just, just put up with me a second. The Lord said to Jehu, because you have done well in executing what is right in my eyes and have done to the house of Ahab according to all that was in my heart, your sons of the fourth generation shall sit on the throne of Israel. Now, I want to show you something. Take a look at this picture right here. My grandson is preaching in L.A., Now, I want to tell you something. My father-in-law was a pastor. I'm a pastor. Josh and Jim uh, Cruz are pastors, and now the fourth generation of my grandson's preaching. God's true. Say, God's true to his word. Oh, come on. You guys, the first service shutting you guys down. God's true to his word. Father, God, anoint me today and help me through this. Please anoint me. Help me. As I share with these people what you've laid on my heart in Jesus' name, everybody say amen. Amen. We're going to look at a text today in the Old Testament, and then we're going to talk. In our text today, we're going to see Elisha in his older years. He's about 80 or 85 years old, but God is still using him. He's still a powerful tool in the hands of God. Hello. I want you older people to know that there is no point in time God will stop using you. You're still anointed. You're still called. If the Lord be willing, I'm going to be up here at 84 years of age still preaching. I've said it before and I'll say it again. I'm going to be the Mick Jaggers of preachers. I'm going for it. I'm going for it. Say, he's going for it. Older pastor years ago in Palm Springs, he moved there to retire, and he was 80 years old or whatever, and they asked him, they said, our church is without a pastor. Would you be the interim pastor just for a week or two? They kept him, kept him, kept him, and now he's got a church of over 1,000, last I heard, years ago. Uh, see, don't give in to the stereotypes of older people. This is old. Put up with me here. Three old ladies in their 90s lived together. And one day, one of them went upstairs to take a bath. She got one foot in the tub, one foot out, and she couldn't remember if she was getting in or getting out. <laughs> she yelled down to the two older ladies downstairs, said, help me, help me. I, I got one foot in the bath and one out, and I don't know if I'm getting in or getting out. And so the other old lady said, well, I'll come up and help you. She got halfway up the stairs and froze and said, help me. I don't know if I'm going up or down. I, I forgot. The third one downstairs said, how long am I going to put up with you guys? I'm telling you, I will never be like you, knock on wood. I'm going to come up and help both of you as soon as I answer the door and see who's there. That's old, I know, but not everybody's heard it. Well, I've heard that joke before. It isn't for you, it's for the newer people that haven't heard it. Now... Don't give in to that. On one of our podcasts, I'm pushing the podcast today. You got to be listening to Off the Mountain podcast. And uh, on the podcast, we were talking about our grandkids, or I was talking about my grandkids. They don't have grandkids. But how much our little one, our four year old, just adores my wife. And they just really, you know, she loves her. She went to dance class the other day, and Debbie says, there wasn't many parents there, but she kept looking at her mother. Where's Nana? Where's Nana? Is Nana watching me? Is Nana watching me? And then when dance class was over, I want to go home with you, Nana. I want to go home with you. And so I was talking to Debbie one day, 
And I said, Debbie, I said, Romy loves you to death. She just kind of puts up with me. And Debbie says, you want to know why? You don't spend time with her like I do. I said, wow, I get it. Romy's love language is quality time. That's her love language. Now, I want to say something to you today. It's important that you learn those love languages. I think that was an anointed book that, that Gary Chapman put out. And if you don't know them, man, you, you husbands and wives are failing. I mean, the five love languages in that book is gifts. Now, I tell my wife, I said, well, I'm buying them chickens next week. I'm getting them gifts. That's not Romy's love language. Gifts, acts of service, quality time, words of affirmation, and physical touch. I want to say something to you. Now, God's talking. God's already talking, right? Some of you husbands and wives are blowing it because you've never put out the effort to learn your spouse's love language. You've never put out the effort. And if you don't love them in their love language, they're not going to feel loved like they should. And this also sets up affairs through the years. A lot of affairs happen this way. You know, some guy, his love language is physical touch, and he's going to work every day, and some lady's massaging his shoulders every day, and he goes, oh, that feels so good. A lady's love language is words of affirmation, and you're not giving it to her. She doesn't feel love. She goes to work, and some dude's pouring on her every day. He said, man, you are beautiful today. You are this. And she goes, wow, I was meant to be loved this way. Well, sometimes it's the way affairs even happen. Unfortunately, it's sad. Um, wake up, gang. Wake up. Let's be the best spouses we can. I think there's more love languages than that. My wife, I think her love language is how much I love our kids. Uh, I said uh, yesterday, I said, you know, I want to bless our kids. I want to do this or this. She goes, oh, I love you so much. I love you so much. You're going to bless our kids. Oh, It's true. Over the years, I've seen many uh, married women come in with kids, and they're getting remarried, and they'll say, you know why? Why? Because he loves my kids like they were his own. And that made me fall in love with him. And then others get divorced because they have a second, third marriage, and he doesn't love my kids, you know, and on and on and on. I'm telling you, Debbie is the most amazing grandmother. I watch her, and you older people listen to me. When Romy comes, we babysit the little one more because Ollie's in school a lot, and Romy's kind of starting preschool. But Debbie will sit on the floor two to three hours and never get up playing with her. They play dolls and house. And I mean, she gets Debbie's undivided attention when she comes. She doesn't even make uh, lunch for me maybe or anything. I'm just kind of over there. This is Romy's time. And because she's ministering to her with her love language, that little kid loves her. So our children have love languages as much as, as our spouses. Now, are you hearing me? Is God already speaking? You're not going to put the effort out to even learn? You should put the effort out. Look at our marriage retreat. Already it's almost sold out. Already. You snooze, you lose. Those marriage retreats have sold out for the last 10 or 15 years because people are being healed, they're being touched, and they're being ministered to. So find out the love languages. Now, now see, I'm already getting off track, and I haven't even gotten into my sermon yet. But I'm going to watch the clock because I want to have you out of here on time. Our goal here at VBF is to preach 35 to 40 minutes. I see some pastors today preaching an hour and 20 minutes, and I go, you couldn't keep me that long. And so let's continue. I'm going to bring you to a story, and we're going to talk. 2 Kings chapter 13. Let's start with verse 14. When Elisha became sick with the illness of which he was to die, Joash, the king of Israel, came down to him and wept over him, and said, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. Now, the first point I want to point out to you here is that Elisha was older and he was sick with an illness. The man who healed others now needed healed himself. The guy who always experienced miracles was in need of one for himself now, but he wasn't going to get it. Because God says this is the sickness that he's going to die of. And I think he knew that. I look at myself, and you know, I had a, a chemical reoccurrence with, with my prostate cancer, and I think it's back. It's not, it, it's doing some weird things right now, 
I mean, it, it could. It's, it's not a own possibility that they'd come one day and say, it isn't even cancer. But right now, most doctors have said, I have cancer relapse. And I'm not so sure this isn't the disease I'm going to die of. But, but, listen to me. If it stays the way it is now, they said I could live easily another 15 years. 85 years of age. That's where I'm, that's where I'm shooting. See, and I don't want to depress you other older people. Some of you, you're going to live to 95 and 100. That's fine. You go ahead. I'm going to live to 85, but basically that's it. And I'm out. Uh, I think, now, I, I could very easily change my mind at 84, uh, but I'm going to keep saying it until then. But I wish the rest of you to live to be 100. I, I do. I really do. But in this story, Elisha has this uh, illness that he's going to die of. Now, I want you to see something else here. I think it's really, really cool. Uh, before I do, let me say this too. Every time you get diagnosed with something when you're older, the first question you ought to ask God, is this the disease I'm going to die of? And if it is, then men die with pizzazz. I mean, go out with coo colors, man. Uh, but if it's not, then, then start claiming words of healing. I know God's told me right now, I can't go anywhere. He's got things for me to do. And so, you know, I've got to go on. And I think it'll be quite a long time. Uh, but the second thing I want you to see here is Joash is, is a wicked king. He's wicked. He's a man of the world. But I'll tell you what. Elisha was a true man of God. When you see a true man of God or a true woman of God, you know how you'll know? Because even the people in the world will respect him. Even the meanest of the mean. We had a mafia guy come in here one time. Man, he was mean. He called me to his house, big fancy house, and he's sitting there and he's going, you know what? I go to your church. And I, the reason I go to your church is because, well... He paused. I'll tell you why I go to your church. I go there because God's there. And he liked to come. We've had Hell's Angels motorcycles in the parking lot. There might be one today. I mean, we've got people in the world that aren't even serving God. I had uh, some guys, bless their heart, I loved them up here front. Four or five big old brute-looking guys. And they were here first service. And they said, and they were amen in me, hallelujah, amen. And then they got saved at the end of the service. And so this king, see, when the chips were down, he knew where to go. I got some of the roughest men and women in Bakersfield and all around. And they're rough and tough. They don't want God. They curse God. But you know, when their baby's in the hospital, guess who they call? They know where to go. They know where to go. But it says he comes to the man of God, and he's weeping, saying, the, the, the horses and chariots, the chariots and horses. Now, most pastors will say what, the, what he was referring to was how the mentor of Elisha, who was Elijah, how God came with the horses and chariots and took him home. And they were saying, we know God's come and take you home, the horses and chariots. I don't think that's at all what, what, is, what he's meaning here. I think he's going back to chapter 6, where this very same prophet Elisha, was contending with this very same enemy. Very same enemy. The Arameans, same one. And you remember that story back in the Old Testament? I love it. Uh, the king of Aram was waging war against Israel. And every time he formed a battle plan, Israel found out about it and was one step ahead of him. And so finally one day, this king of Aram called all his men in and said, okay, who's the spy? Somebody's spying. Somebody's telling the king of Israel, everything we plan in this room, you're going to tell them. And one guy raised his hand and said, no, 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 that's not it. There's this man of God named Elisha. And he lives in Dothan. And he reads every word you say. In fact, and this gets creepy, he says he even knows what you say in your bedroom at night. <laughs> Whoa. <that's... laughs> and so the king of Aram said, you know what? We're going to go find this dude. We're going to do him in. Where does he live at? He lives in Dothan. So he goes out, and in the morning, Elisha lives on a farm, and this is the way I picture it. Elisha was a kickback dude because he knew God. And he's chewing his braided glass like I want to. See, he's already had his coffee and his donuts. He's already ordered Starbucks, and he's out there. <laughs> and his servant goes out to do chores and looks up, and 
here this king of Aram has surrounded the city with horses and chariots. And the king's servant freaked out going, Master, 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 look, look, look. What do we do? What do we do? Look, they're, they're all there. And he says, God, open the kid's eyes. Let him see what I know to be true. And the soldiers were surrounding the city, the king of Aram's soldiers. And behind them were all these other soldiers with chariots and horses of fire. It was the angelic host of God around these guys. These guys thought they had uh, Elisha uh, uh, taken. They thought they had him surrounded. They thought, but they were surrounded by angels from God. Can I tell you something? We're a, we're a people of God, and no war weapon formed against me will prosper. No weapon. Now, the people in the world can form their weapons against me, but they don't have the last say. Those weapons will not prosper. Unless God lets them prosper, they won't prosper. You might plan against me, but good luck. you got to get through him before you get to me. If God wants something done, it's going to be done. You got it? No weapon formed against you will prosper. And so I think that's what he was referring to when he said, bring the horses and chariots. We need the horses and chariots of fire. You did it once against the same enemy. Right now, I've got the same enemy as then. Uh, where's the horses and chariots? Where are they at? Where are they at? Where are they at? And so he comes to the man of God, the man who had a connection with God. Now let's go on, verse 15 through 19. Elisha said to him, take a bow and arrows. So he took a bow and arrows. Then he said to the king of Israel, put your hand on the bow. Now, now, Elisha represents God in this picture, okay? The anointed. So he tells the king of Israel, put your hand on the bow. And then he put his hand on it. Then Elisha laid his hand on the king's hands. This represented God. And he said, open the window toward the east. He opened it. Then Elisha said, shoot. And he shot. And he said, and I think he said this emotionally. Elisha goes, the Lord's arrow of victory, even the arrow of victory over Aram, for you will defeat the Arameans, and you'll defeat them at Aphek until you've destroyed them all. He was kind of in the preaching mode. And he says, now take the arrows. And he took them. He strike the ground. He struck it three times and stopped. So the man of God was angry with him and said, what did you just do? You should have struck the ground five or six times. Then you would have struck Aram until you've destroyed him. But now you only strike Aram three times. Now, you've got to see this because I think it's very, very important. This king was apathetic to the message of God. I mean, can you picture it? Elisha's preaching. You know what? Thus saith the Lord. You're going to destroy the enemy. God says right now, go out. I'll fight with you. My hands will be on your hands. I will be with you. I'll fight this battle. You're going to win. woo Now take those arrows and stomp the ground. He goes, no, no, no. That's, what you're, that's all you're going to do? He got mad. I, I, know, I know the feeling. He got angry. I just delivered to you a word from God, and you got this blasé, apathetic spirit where you go, okay, that's cool. You should be jumping for joy. You ought to be amen and hallelujah in this whole thing, man. I just gave you a word from God. You will not be defeated. God's hands are going to be in this war. He's going to get involved in this war. Now, I'm going to try to be brief. You got 20 more minutes with me? 20? Can you give me 20 more? Stay with me. Okay, 30. I hear, I hear, I hear 40 anywhere. Uh, I want to talk to you about why do we go to church? Church should be one of the top priorities on your list. You should never miss service. On Sunday, if, unless you're on vacation or unless you're out of town or sick, you should not miss service. And if you have to go out of town, watch it online. Make it a priority. Why do we go to church? Number one, here's the reason. Because God shows up at church. I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't fully get it, but if God tells you to go to church, that means he's going to go too. 
He doesn't expect you to do something he doesn't do. I don't understand why God would use some oaky Italian guy up here to speak through. But he, years ago, he told me, go, start a church in Bakersfield with 10 teenagers. He said, I'll be with you. That was almost 50 years ago. I'm praying that somebody out here that's financially well will pay. In a year and a half, we have 50 years, and I want to have a big fireworks show, and I know I can't take it out of ties, but if someone would donate the money, it's ten dollars or $15,000, we're going to have the biggest fireworks show you've ever seen <laughs> to celebrate our 50 years. So if you're rich and that's pocket change to use, throw some our direction, okay? Because <laughs> I can't use the people's money for that, but I would love to do that. Now, we go to church because God shows up. Now, in this story, in this story, the king had laid down his bow and arrows. He had let, lay them down. He let, laid them down, laid them aside. And the prophet says, it's time to pick them back up. It's time to start a war. He says, you know what? They say they're coming after you. No, you're going to go after them. Pick up that bow and arrow. See, some of you here today, you've stopped fighting. You stopped fighting for your marriage. I'm saying fighting. You stopped fighting for your kids. You stopped fighting for your health. You stopped fighting for your finances. So, you know what? You're waiting for God to show up. God's already showed up. He's already showed up. He's told you what to do. You've got to listen to him. I'm going to say something to you right now. It comes from the story of the Samaritans outside of the gates of Samaria, where one day they knew they were going to die of their leprosy. They were lepers, lepers outside the gates of Samaria. And one day one of them said to the others, we know we're going to die, so why sit here till we die? Might as well do something even if it's wrong. Why are you going to sit there until cancer takes over your body? Why aren't you going to change your diet now? Well, why are you just sitting there? Why are you going to sit there until you're served with divorce paper? Why? Why? You're a child of God. You're a warrior. You need to be fighting. Why are you going to sit there until you lose your job? The handwriting's on the wall. Why are you going to sit there while your kids are running amok and they don't even love Jesus? See, I think we ought to teach our kids at four years of age to quote verses. Nikki had that story a while back. I don't know if you heard her, how her little one, just a little one, went out and witnessed some kids on the playground, told them about Jesus. We need to be training our kids. Josh and Ashley's training their kids how to engage with adults even. It was on a podcast. You have to watch the podcast. So it's time for you to pick back up the bows and arrows and fight. When he told them to open the window to the east, see, that's where the enemy was at. They were to the east. When they shot an arrow in those days, it meant you're starting war. That's a declaration of war of starting to shoot an arrow. That's like sending a missile to someone. And he said, you're going to start this war today. Some of you need to go home, put on your war paint, and say, you know what? I've given up, and I shouldn't have. I'm going to go back to fight. Let me tell you something. If my kids were not saved, not serving God, I'd put war paint on, and every day, I'll tell you what I'd do. I'd say, in Jesus' name, Satan of demons, you get your hands off my kids. You stop lying to them. I command that the lying spirit be broken and that they see the truth. And God, I'm going to claim them, and I'll claim them till they come home. And right now, and I would pray in the spirit, I'd do it every day. But now listen to me. I'm going to bring the rubber to meet the road right here. We all have seasons where we let down. Even I do. I went through a season lately where I've just been a little tired. And I see stuff happening. I know I can get up and win it in warfare. I know I can. I'm just too tired to do it. And I go, man, I just, I'm, I'm tired. It's going to take a lot of work to pray through that. And I'm not sure I want to. And so we grow tired. and We become like the king of Israel. We get a blasé spirit. We get out there. See, that's what church is for. See, all during the week, your battery's running down. And when you come in here, you get all jazzed up again. And Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, you're growing strong. And you're strong. About Thursday, you get a little weaker. Friday, you're getting weaker. You come back for another shot. 
That's, what's, that's one of many purposes that church serves, one of many. Now, in James 5, it says, all of you that are sick, come to the elders and ask them to, to, to pray over you. And in that, that chapter, there's a word for sickness. It's camno in the Greek. It's only used like two or three times in, in, in the Word of God. And it, means, it doesn't mean physically ill. Some of you get this all wrong. It means to be weary, to be faint, and ready to collapse. You got no, no more get up and go in you. Your get up and go is already got up and gone. And you just, you know, do you know what I'm talking about? Anybody here? I go through it. I go through times where I'm just tired. I just, I, I just man, maybe I'll go through a season for two or three months. And I'm going, oh, I'm just tired, man. And so in, in that text with the word camno in, in James 5, it says, go to your elders and be prayed over. And it says, the prayer offered in faith will raise the sick one up. You know what that word raise up means in the Greek? It's the word for energy. It says your prayer will arouse their spirit. It'll wake it up. It'll fire them back up. And some of you say they need to be fired back up. Need to say I'm not going down that way. There you go, Andy. I'm not going down that way. Say with me, I'm not going down that way. I'm not. I refuse. You know how many times I tell God, I'm not, I'm not going through that, God. It's not your will. And I'm going to fight till you tell me to stop fighting. You got to have it. See, there's so many churches in Bakersfield today that think the Holy Spirit's static. He's not static. You'll see in a moment. He's always moving. So you got to go to the elders and say, you know, wake my spirit up. Wake it up. See, I'm going to pray for you right now. Your part in this prayer is to say amen. To say amen. Can I tell you something? I like a noisy church. Do you know what the, you know what the word amen even, thank you, I like that. Do you know what the, the word noise, I mean, let me go back. Do you know what the word amen means? It means let that be to me as you just prayed. I receive that. I'm grandmother receiving it. Right now, Father God, I pray that you'd reach down and energize everyone's spirit that's listening to this podcast or this sermon. Energize everyone's spirit in the building. Energize everybody's spirit in the Northwest, in Vegas, Thousand Oaks. Energize everybody's spirit in here. Wake us up, Lord. Wake us up. Put fire back in us. Put faith back in us. And wake us up and stir us up and put us back into the battle, Lord. Because you said we're to fight the good fight of faith, and the only good fight is one you're going to win. And we're going to win this by your grace. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We go to church to hear God, to experience God, to have our souls refreshed. And the king in our story, he didn't receive it, the word, with any enthusiasm at all. He was just blasé. And, that, 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 and, and the, the prophet got angry, and I'm the same way. I come to church sometimes, your name is all over the sermon. And you're sitting there going, oh, yeah, okay, see you, Pastor. Why aren't you shouting? Why aren't you dancing on the way out? I mean, God has just used this Italiano, Ronaldo, Luigi, Pasquale, Romani, Ovietti to speak to you. You should be noisy. You should be praising God. You should be receiving it. I heard a young pastor the day, and he had a real cool church. This guy's really cool. And those young people were saying, yes, I received that. Heavy, man. They were all talking while he was talking because they were getting excited about what was said. I think that hurts God's feelings when he sees our lack of enthusiasm, when he talks to us. I mean, you know, I was raised differently, and uh, I like a noisy, noisy auditorium. I like people say, amen. See, amen means so be it. Glory. When someone says glory, that means I saw God in what you just said. Hallelujah. The old story, and it's old. I know some of you hate this, but I don't care. I, I love you anyway. 
But a guy comes into the first church of the refrigerator, and there's a lot of them in Bakersfield, where nobody will dare say hallelujah, amen, or anything, because they're too sophisticated. And this dude came to this church. He, he just got saved, man, and he just found the first church and went in. He didn't know what a conservative church it was. And he walks in and sits down, and the pastor comes out really dry going, good morning, everyone. We will now have the reading of the word. <laughs> Open to Psalms 79, and we'll all repeat verse 1 or 2. He didn't get into the first line in the verse, and this guy goes, hallelujah, woo, praise God, I see Jesus in that. And everybody's like, somebody's talking while the pastor's talking? And again, he goes, hallelujah, he got excited about the word. And finally, the old mean usher, the meanest one they had, walked down and stood beside him and gave him the eye. And so he got the idea, but he still couldn't help it, going, hallelujah, praise the Lord. <laughs> he would look up at the guy. The guy said, shut up. We don't do that in this church. He said, sir, I'm sorry. I just found Jesus last week. And man, I'm so excited. I just can't contain it. He said, well, you might have found him, but you didn't find him here. <laughs> True. True. You know what? Appreciative people are noisy. You know what? When you're saved from a lot of junk, you get pretty noisy because you appreciate God and you appreciate what he's done for you. I have so much more to say. Part two is coming next week. Yeah. So you go to church to hear God. But you also go to church to give thanksgiving and to give praise. I'm a rebel. Thanksgiving was last week. So last Sunday's sermon should have had to do with Thanksgiving. That's what you normally do. Thanksgiving's gone, Ron. That doesn't matter. Thanksgiving is to be a spirit of ongoing. That's why I'm a rebel. I'm speaking on Thanksgiving after Thanksgiving. Not just one week. Merlin Carruthers, get, get his books, Power to Praise, Prison to Praise. I think they're still in print. But I told you, he teaches in those books about a spirit of praise and thanksgiving and talks about all the God stories as a result. Again, uh, you know, it's the only story I can remember him. He's either speaking it or is in the book, I don't remember. But a lady comes up after church, she's crying, going, my daughter's stripping, and she's stripping in L.A., and man, I don't know what to do. Blah. He's, man, why don't you start rejoicing? Rejoicing. Start praising God that God knows right where she's at. He's, he's got her number. He knows how to reach her. Start praising God that God's bigger than the stripping. And she did, and it was a phenomenal God story. And he gave example after example. He said, when we start praising God and thanking God for things, you know what? First of all, it takes the sting out of the bad things. When you praise God in all circumstances and you start praising God in bad things, it takes the sting out of the bad things. And it also releases faith in God and that releases really a lot of God's stories. See, Jesus is our Savior, but He can't be our Savior if He's not our Lord. See, He can't save us and save us from all kinds of things if we're not listening to what He's telling us. I've got more to say, and I'm going to come back. I'll be just five minutes or eight after you watch this podcast clip. It's about eight minutes long. If you're not watching Off the Mountain Podcast, you should. Take a look at this clip, and I'll be right back out, and I'll finish. You got your mama's sunshine. But he's the source. For example, is he talking to any of us about our health right now? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, this week even, uh, I set some boundaries because he's spoken to me before. I, I, I'm not going to eat anything bad until I give myself uh, the boundary that on Wednesday at noon, I can eat all I want until Thursday night. After that, it's done. It's finished. Nothing before, nothing after. But I give God that praise because like you said, Josh, in Philippians 2.13, it's God who's always putting these thoughts in our minds. And I was saying that to say this, if it's God behind our health talking to us, Okay, remember, he can't be our Savior if he's not our Lord. A Savior 
depicts someone that goes around saving other people all the time. He can't do that if we're not listening to him and obeying him. So we do have our role. So this made me think of something really interesting. Okay. I was watching a movie um, about the opioid crisis. Oh, okay. Which, yeah. which, which one? It's called um, uh, One Nation Under Stress is what okay. it's called. It's actually about stress, but this portion of it is about the opioid crisis. And this doctor, um, he, he gets on there and he says that one of the issues is that some, somewhere along the line, the medical community decided that no one should have to suffer. And this is why we created these pain pills. This is why we give you know pills out right. for everything. And so the idea that I took from that was, of course you're supposed to suffer. Uh, right to, to an extent right yeah and you're supposed to have some of that in your life and you have to learn coping skills you have to yeah. learn how to push through you have to learn how to survive you have to learn how to live right and it's a good thing i'm seeing the exact same thing dad happening with anxiety think about this yeah okay in with anxiety we're telling right now we are communicating to the world that you should or to the united states yeah. in our culture we're in the western culture we're communicating that you should have zero stress yeah but that's not true. No. You should have some stress. You should have some anxiety, yeah. right? Um, and, and what's funny about you talking about God speaking to you, this is where I'm going to connect it. You, God speaking to you can come in the form of anxiety. It yeah. can. It can. It really can. Because if you're anxious about something, that could be the Holy Spirit telling you to be cautious about something, to change your ways, to change your behavior a little bit. So a little bit of anxiety is actually really not a bad thing. Because oh, my daughter, okay, here's a good example. My daughter comes to me, and I'm spiritual, so you know, take this with a grain of salt, but she comes to me randomly the other day and she says, daddy, I had a dream that you ran me over and mm. it was, and it was Christmas mm. and it was Christmas. What? And so, and so I just randomly, right. This happens. So yeah. I realized I have a bad habit. I open my gate in my, uh, with my, uh, electric gate in my house or my driveway, I open it and then I, I drive out. And then as I'm driving out, I push the button to close and I speed up right there wow. so that my gate closes. Wow. And I thought about that and it bothered me th for three days straight. And wow. I thought, you know what? I mm. need to change that habit. Wow. Whether now, whether I'm not saying that that, that, right. that was prophetic. I'm not saying anything else. I'm just saying that God spoke through that little girl to tell me to Ooh. be more careful. Ooh. You know what, Josh? Let, let's, 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 and if I'm on anti-anxiety meds and I'm like trying to block right. all the anxiety, you would have said, you would have thought I would nothing have thought of it. A yep. thing about it. Yep. Okay. These opioids cause constipation. Well, yeah. That's, that's not, that's not <laughs> no, I could take that down a road right now. <laughs> I could take that down a road. But going back to what you said, Josh, read the Old Testament. Oh, oh yeah. The Jewish people gave God the credit for almost everything that happened. Mm. I mean, just a regular situation would happen, regular in our eyes, and they'd go, God meant it that way. God was in that. God defeated us. Yeah, God gave us right. victory. On, on. Now, okay, Josh, you are defining the exact way that I've taught for years. That could be God a lot. So what I'm trying to say er earlier, what I, was, what, I, what I was trying to say, if we see God as the source behind all these things, are we going to have a difficult time on Sunday morning and we have that 20 minutes set aside to praise him. Mm -hmm. Not at all, because I believe it's possible he could have saved one of your girls' lives yes. mm. by giving that word to you. At the very, at the very least, or somebody else's. He life. was telling me to be careful. Yes. Well, you know, but that's the way yeah. he works. At the very that's the least, way that. he yeah. moves. Yeah. You, know, you said Old Testament, and, and I was talk, talking about giving uh, verbal uh, communication to God. Joshua two nine says, "With shouts of grateful praise, will." Um, I will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will make good. Mm -hmm. I will say salvation like comes from the Lord. So what you're I mean, yeah. it all ties because, you know, Joshua's going, I'm going to shout grateful praises yeah. to you. Right. And I'm going to yeah. do Amen. what I vowed to do. But Josh, right. what you said, what you just said, I mean, it defines the whole thing. He can't be our savior unless he's our Lord. Yeah. And he wants to save us all the time from these things. And that means you got to listen. Again. And do. Right. Not yeah. just listen, yeah. do. Right. I, 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 wrote, I did something today on the way over here, and I'm not ashamed of it, but I, I do kind of like uh, a country music. And, uh, you know, and I was listening to a song by Randy Travis. <laughs> and, and let me, let me kind of One of brief. the OGs. Yeah, let, let me, he's a Christian. Yeah. Let me brief this before I uh, uh, read you the lyrics of this song. I give God all the praise and the glory that I'm still married to a wonderful woman today. 
because I came just an inch on several occasions of ruining this marriage and not having it. And so with that in mind, that I give God all the praise and the glory for that, here, here's the lyrics, I told you so. It says, suppose I called you up tonight and told you that I love you. And suppose I said, I want to come back home. And suppose I cried and said, I think I finally learned my lesson and I'm tired of spending all my time alone. If I told you that I realized you're all I ever wanted and it's killing me to be so far away, would you tell me that you love me too? And would we cry together or would you simply laugh at me and say, I told you so, I told you so. I told you someday you'd come crawling back and asking me to take you in. I told you so, but you had to go. But now I found somebody new and you'll never break my heart to again. Wow. Now that song, that could have been my song. That could have been my lyrics. I could have written that. But I give yeah. God all the praise and the glory that he saved my marriage yeah. and brought me to a place where I'm at today. And so we've got to learn that it's not difficult in the proper situation. As an example, uh, 20 minutes on Sunday morning that we praise God, it's not hard for me to mm. lift my hands if I have the proper context and praise him and thank him for my marriage, mm -hmm. for my success, for my finances, for my health. That's good. No, I agree. That's so. really good. Well, with that, I mean, we could probably can go forever, <laughs> but, uh, you know, why don't you guys, if you're in your car, if you're, it's just long drive, take the conversation further. You yeah. guys continue talking about this. Yeah. What are you guys thankful for? Yes. Uh, yes. You know, talk to your family members, let your, let your wife, husbands, let your wives know how thankful you are for them. That's true. Wives, That's let good. your husbands know. You know, I started uh, watching, kids, I, your started, I started watching Duck Dynasty again, old reruns. And you know how they will not end a show without praying. Mm. And the whole family, a word, a word's worth a thousand, mm. a picture's worth a thousand words. When you see them going off the air, the whole family, there's like 30 of them. Mm. They've all got their heads bowed. All the kids are, the grown kids are Christians. And usually Phil, sometimes uh, one of the others will offer a prayer of thanks to God as they go off the air. Go for it. And that's what I want to see happen on this Thanksgiving for everybody out there. Mm. I'm sorry, I butted in no, the last thing. In with a prayer. You should do that. Yeah. Do it right now? Yeah, do it for Just. everyone. Off the Mountain podcast every Tuesday. Did you hear what Josh said? See, God doesn't call anything in the Bible a sin unless it's going to hurt you. If you were high on drugs, alcohol, porn, your mind was somewhere else, you wouldn't have probably recognized what Josh recognized when Romy said, you ran me over. And as a result, you might actually run your child over. God wants our mind totally in the spirit all the time, and he will save us. He will talk to us before something bad happens. But we have to be in a place to listen. The Holy Spirit is not static. Now, God is the reason that I'm alive today. Only God. He's the reason I still have my marriage. I should have lost my marriage. He's the only reason that my generation to four generations are preachers. He's the only reason. Now, I want to do something real quick. See, if you see that God's the reason behind this, you won't have a hard time praising God at all on Sunday morning. You'll come in and say, you know what? Even though my hands are dirty, it's not about me. I'll raise my dirty hands to him because it's about him. I want to give him the praise and the glory. Amen. Let's do a survey real quick, a thing. If God has saved your marriage and only God has saved it, would you stand up as a testimony to God? Wow, wow. Look at all. God, you're giving God credit for saving your marriage. Okay, you may be seated. If you have been given victory over drugs and it was by God only, you know it's God's power, would you stand up? Wow. Wow. You may be seated. What about alcoholism? God is the only one that brought you out of it. Some of you are standing on all of them. <laughs> Praise God. If God's restored your finances, you were broke, man, and God restored them, would you stand up? Say, God restored those. And it was him. I give. See all the testimonies? Okay, you may be seated. How many were in prison and jail 
and God saved you and gave you a new life and a second chance. Stand. Praise God. If you were a sexual pervert, no, I'm not going there. <laughs> Stand up so everybody can see you, you little pervert, you know, but you were saved. Praise God. Uh, I'm going to begin the end of this, but listen to me. You come to church to show honor to God. When you get up every Sunday and come to church, you're showing God, I honor you. You think that doesn't touch God's heart? Now, when you, when you make this a priority to honor Him by coming to church, when you do that, I mean, everything else becomes secondary. If the worship doesn't sound good that morning and somebody didn't shake my hand this morning and I didn't like what he said in the sermon, it's irrelevant because you came just to show honor to God. Amen. There's other reasons you go to church. Let me give you, see, we're made in God's image. We have his heart. You dads and moms, listen to me. You dads especially. If you ever heard your eight-year-old one day saying to friends, you know what, come to my birthday party next week. Why? Oh, it's going to be the greatest birthday party. Why? Because my dad's in charge. And when my dad's in charge, he will make this birthday party so cool, it's unbelievable. Would you dads work harder on that birthday party than you ever did before? Absolutely. You would, because that kid was counting on you. Do you know what God feels? And we go, God, right now, they said I'm going to die, but my eyes are on you. You're my God, man. You're going to see me through this. You're going to talk to me, and you're going to lead me, and you're going to direct. You know how that makes him feel? We're made in this image. I'm telling you guys, listen to me closely. This is really important as I begin to end this thing. We're to show honor to God. In one of our podcasts, the guy says, no, I think that's important, Pastor, but also it's important that we come to church to, to connect with community. Well, that's important, but you can connect with community in a bar. You can do it by joining a motorcycle club. You can do all that. Be careful we don't make the church a social club. Yes, we come to, to, we'll talk more about it next week, possibly. We come to, to connect in community, but there's got to be a reason for that community. We do it for a reason. We do it so we can get relationships, so we can go fellowship. Fellowship means two fellows in one ship. It's not the Greek word, but that, that's it. And lo and behold, I'm here to tell you that I haven't heard many people lately say, hey, want to go get a coffee and do some fellowship? What does fellowship mean? We're going to sell coffee, and I'm going to say, hey, what's, what's God doing in your life? Well, you know what, Ron? He's been talking to me about my tongue, about gossip. Oh, me too. Whoa. And you start sharing notes with one another. That's fellowship. So we have these relationships, but they're relationships with a purpose. Now, I could go on and on and on. I'm going to talk more next week. I, if I, I'm going to keep going. We're going to close with these following statements. I love you guys and bless your hearts. You said we come, you'll stand in your pot. You know, during worship, just going, whatever, let's get through this. If you really saw things right and you saw that God is the reason that you're still married, God's the reason you're still alive, God's the reason that you have any finances at all, if you really saw that, you wouldn't find it hard to organically praise Him at all. They say to whom much is forgiven, you know, and those people will be very appreciative. And so we can be a little more radical church. I don't care. Some time ago, somebody said, well, somebody's shouting hallelujah out there, pastor. Should we shut them up? I said, no, you don't dare. They're excited. They're hearing God. That's okay. So today we're going to give you a do-over. And for all of our online watching people, there's a song posted. We can't play it because of copyright laws. They'll take us off the air. It's got it posted, Northwest. You're going to play this same song. And it, it's about five, six minutes long. If you have to leave, you can leave during that time. But I'd, I'd prefer if you stay. And you're going to get a do-over to be able to worship God and praise Him. And show Him your thanks. Let Him know I've come to honor you today. And we got to become people with a thanksgiving heart. It'll change your life. Stop criping. Stop complaining. It's not going to do any good anyway. Why not just replace it with praise and release faith? 
So let's stand to our feet. And now when I say three, I want you to say thank you to God for the blessings in your life. And I want you to do it with your whole heart. When I count to three, just, just talk to him. Say, thank you, thank you, praise you. I thank you for my healing. Thank you my... One, two, three. That was so weak. Okay, let's try this. When I count to three, I want you to give God a clap offering and shout praises to him. When I count to three, one, two, three. Okay, you should be dead, some of you. Do you know you should be dead? Do you know you should be? Right now, how many of you want to give your life to God and you've never done it? Raise your hand. You want to give your life? I had a bunch of guys. I had told you, these rough guys back there, and they end up getting saved. They're, they're not here now, but they were. If you want to get anybody want to give their life to God? You've never been born again? Raise your hand. Anybody? Anybody? Okay, I guess you're all saved. So here we go. You can be dismissed if you're, if you're really behind time. But uh, come up and pray with these people. And let's go out on a song. If you have to go, you have to go. If not, stay and sing. Love you guys. And you know what? I'll see you next week. I'll see you next week. Thank you for listening. We pray that this message has ministered to your heart. If you don't already have a church you call home, we invite you to join us at Valley Bible Fellowship for worship, Bible study, fellowship, and more. We're at 2300 East Brundage Lane in Bakersfield, California, near Mount Vernon and Freeway 58. Reach us by phone at 661-325-2251 or visit our website at vbf.org. Here is our King, here is our love.